We don't slut shame around here. They say we are what we eat. Does that come in organic? So who are you eating? I believe they call that an ethical slut. Can I unplug your phone so I can charge my vibrator? I can't believe he couldn't find it. Fuck it. Let's roll. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with Dr. Cat, the place to up-level that sexy life of yours with expert talk on sex, love, and nutrition. Hey lovers, and welcome to another episode of Eat, Play, Sex. I'm your sex expert, Dr. Cat. What do you do when sexual expansion is one of your highest values? You have desires for more non-traditional relating or even kinky alt-sex desires, and you're dating in a world that is way more mainstream and traditional. From personal experience, it's not easy. But we've got Alexa Bowditch here to give us some great anecdotes on how to navigate this with more grace and compassion. But before we get to Alexa, I have just relaunched my Sensual Awakening 14-day initiation into the lifestyle of a sensualist. This trauma-informed course is presented in a bite-sized pieces for you all who complain that you want to be sensual, but you just ain't got the time for it. So no fluff, just really juicy practices to help you sustain a life of pleasure and orgasmic bliss. No big deal. (laughs) Check it out with the link in the show notes to join me. And if you want to pair that program with something to continue to deepen your connection with your sexual and sensual self, then I'm so excited to introduce you to a world leader in luxurious pleasure wands, yoni eggs, waterproof sex blankets, and feminine wellness products. Meet Yoni Pleasure Palace. Founded by Rosie Reese, nude yoga teacher, body image activist, and sexuality and relationship coach. I had her on a guest for episode 28 on Eat, Play, Sex, where we dove into the yoni egg practice. So be sure to listen in on that conversation. Their mission at the Yoni Pleasure Palace is twofold. To educate women on how to tone their pelvic floor using a yoni egg and also to inspire women to slow down and squirt. (laughs) Using their bespoke products such as the Sacred Squirter, the Cervix Serpent, and the Waterproof Squirt Blanket. Each glass and crystal product is 100% body safe, hypoallergenic, and compatible with all lubricants, temperature responsive, and free from all petrochemicals, plastics, or resins. They don't stop at products either. YPP are firm believers in education and community. You can join the Golden Yoni membership and experience the online sex education that you wish that you had in high school. Plus, jump into Rosie's famous squirt school where she teaches practices that deepen trust, the ability to surrender, and the art of squirting. You can explore the entire pleasure and healing range available at yonipleasurepalace.com. Use my code DRCAT for 10% off your total order. All that is in the show notes. I want to thank you all for tuning in, for leaving me reviews on iTunes, and for sharing on the gram, sending this to your boo for a relationship conversation starter. My goal here is to help you to eat, play, and sex so much better. So head over to sexloveyoga.com and grab my free sensual Sundays guide full of delicious pleasures to up-level your weekend with delight. Now to our sexy guest, Alexa Martinez is a sex and relationship by design coach and sex coach, business mentor on a mission to reform sex education and sexuality expression across the globe. She's also the host of the podcast that I fangirl on, That Sex Chick. Hey girl. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, this is exciting. I haven't been on a show as a guest in a really long time. I love it. It's one of my favorites. I'm like, yay, I get to talk and I just get to... <laughs> yeah. Everybody listen to me and what I have to say. <laughs> Who am I kidding? It doesn't even stop me to talk on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I am saying I have one too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I love it. So that sex chick is is really fun. You bring up really good conversations. I remember when you first started the podcast and I was like, yo, I'm about this chick. 
she gets where I'm coming from. And one thing that we're going to dive into today is just how much you talk about unconventional unconventional relationships, you know, this is more non-traditional or even kink and BDSM. And, you know, if, if we think about the image that we're given in the media and in socials about what it means to be kinky or BDSM or unconventional, we get this, well, I don't know, I get this image of somebody who's just like dressed all in black leather and they're, you know, piercings all over the face. I mean, you and I both share a nose piercing, but you know, yeah. like all the piercings or like super hippie, free love, you like, like all the things, but you're so down to earth and just like, <laughs> you know, (laughs) I don't want to use that word. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so I feel that with more of these talks around, you know, creating the relationships that you want and something that's outside of the traditional sense that you demonstrate how that can be done for even mainstream people. Mm -hmm. Was yeah. this always how you were, or was this was or was this something that you were mm, inclined to, or how did that even show up in your life? I mean, I think the pendulum has swung all over the place. True. You know, so when, I mean, I'm from deep South Louisiana. I grew up in a very traditional Catholic-ish environment. Uh-huh. I went to Catholic school growing up, and so I had a certain way of being modeled for me, and um, a lot of different let's say, okay, so I had like the Catholic influence and then I had the South influence and I had like the Louisiana influence on top of that. And the fact that I was close to New Orleans growing up and I had influences there. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was just a lot of, and, and just the way that, that I grew up, I had a lot of influences of this is the way that you're supposed to do things. And this mm-hmm. is the way that it's supposed to look and ways that I'm now realizing now that I don't live in South Louisiana anymore. Louisiana anymore that are so different to some of the other narratives that other people in their hometown where they grew up um, were given. And so, you know, I, I tried to fit into the box and I tried to fit into the mold and it was a really difficult, which is the case for a lot of people. And some people it's, it's great. They love the, Oh, like everything's laid out for me. I just do these things and I'm happy. And that was not me. And, um, but I tried for many years and and then started shifting out of it. And I got really upset and felt like my, everybody in my life growing up lied to me and told me that happiness looked this way. And that was not making me happy at all. Yeah. Fast forward. Only I could do that. So. Yeah. So that I want to magnify glass on for a moment, because I hear a lot of people who are like, I tried to make it work and I tried to, you know, fit in this mold, but how did you know that you didn't fit in that mold? Like what were some of the things that indicated that? Yeah. Like the relationships that I was in, uh, you know, when, when the high school sweetheart relationship didn't work out, I completely and totally lost my sense of self, my purpose, my value. I didn't understand who I was anymore. Um, And then eventually I started traveling right behind that. So I've been to 79 countries. I traveled around the world and it was really through going a lot of places that are not my home that I realized that there are people who are loving and living in very different and unique ways that are specific to them. And so it was only by looking at the different models and different different ways people did it. And then asking very introspective questions, what does my happy look like? What does my future relationship and love look like? But it it took seeing some of it. And then it took trying some of these different things out and failing fast and forward. I like to say, where it's like, oh, oh that, that didn't work. Okay, cool. So what's next? Instead of being like, oh my God, my life's just going to fucking suck. Yeah. So, so it looked like playing. It looked like exploring and it looked like actually doing. And then eventually, you know, as far as the way that I look, I feel like I I look pretty, like, like I was saying, normal. Like I live (laughs) particularly, like it looks pretty normal now, but I did have my rebellious stages where I dyed my hair purple and I shaved half my head and I have a sleeve of tattoos and many piercings and things like that. But just generally speaking, I feel pretty normal now. And I think that that's just a recalibration and the pendulum swinging more towards the middle where I accept that I'm not going to live a life that is like how I grew up. And I don't have to wear the fact that I'm different Mm. on the surface of my skin to as like a call out to, you know, fuck where I grew up and fuck all the normal. Like this is, this is me expressing myself. Now I've like settled somewhere in the middle 
you know, going to go down the path of motherhood probably next year, sometime in 2022 Mm -hmm. and like just got married. So it was interesting. You introduced me onto the show as Alexa Martinez. And I just, I told you, I just was at the passport office and I just was at the social security office and I got my new driver's license. So I'm, I'm Alexa Bowditch now officially. So I'm I'm doing (laughs) by all accounts, very normal type things, but under the surface, there's all kinds of kinky, playful, exploratory things that are still going on that I feel like yeah. I have, I'm on a mission to show other people that you don't have to look like you like said, piercings and leather and yeah. whips and chains and dungeons and, or you don't have to look like dressed in the spiritual garb without deodorant face to face with someone in a puja, you know, like you, <laughs> it doesn't have to look like that in order for you to take some of these really incredible aspects of exploration and sex and personal development and all that. like incorporate that into your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hear a lot of security in yourself, in the relationship with yourself to be able to do that. I don't have to convince anybody that I am this, I am this from the inside. Yeah. Yeah. And, and whatever this is could change like next week. Mm -hmm. So the honoring the dynamic nature Mm -hmm. of who you are as a being, as a human with changes, (laughs) interests. Yeah. That change. Yeah. God, that keeps life really fun. Fuck yeah, I agree. I so agree. And you, so you were, you've been a sex educator for a while. And even before you met your now husband, how did that, because me as a sex educator, I always, I always wonder about the lives of, of other sex educators, but uh, how is that for dating and being somebody who is knowing of sex, you know, a master of it? <laughs> my gosh, (laughs) sex will be having me more than I'm having it for the rest of my life. So I, you know, I understand exactly where you're coming from. And I felt that way too, as dating. And I'm like, I just will avoid telling people what I do so that we can talk about other things so that my subject matter doesn't then hijack the whole conversation. Because as soon as I say what I do, it's a blanket permission slip. People take it as a blanket permission slip for them to just start divulging personal information, whether I'm prepared for it or not. Yes. Yes. So, and I'm sure some of that resonates. Um, But yeah, and, and in dating, I assumed that I would need to be with someone who was as skilled, so to speak, or as, um, knowledgeable in certain areas that as I was, otherwise maybe it wouldn't fit or wouldn't match. And, you know, my partner and I, so the guy that I was dating right before I met Jordan online was the CEO of a sexual health related app Mm. for STI testing and communicating information and all that. So I was with someone before, and that was very easy. It was very easy. We could talk, but we talked about what we did a lot. Mm. Um, and so when that wound up not working out, you know, I, I started journaling and meditating and asking myself, what do I really actually want in a partnership? Mm. And then Jordan landed in my lap very, very shortly after that. Mm. And um, Jordan, my now husband, so he was very much into personal development. He His Instagram handle is Conscious Bro. So he's very much that. like he was in a fraternity. He was one of those ones, like I was an ugly duckling growing up, like total, just didn't have my shit together, puffy hair, big teeth, like just not <laughs> proportion. Like I grew into myself eventually, but he yes. is one of those guys. It's just like, he's one of those people that has been beautiful his whole life has just had the gift of gab and charm and all mm. of that. And so we are just a very unlikely, interesting pair. There's a lot of polarity. Um, of course, there's some similarity too, but I, we joke and talk about ourselves as I'm the dark, moody, deep one. And mm-hmm. he's the lighthearted, joy-filled, perpetually optimistic one out of How the two of us. How do you do that? How, and I love, I, I want to highlight polarity, I it, getting these conversations with people all the time and polarity, especially during the pandemic, kind of went and took a nosedive, right? Because everybody's in the same space and doing the same thing. So can you explain to our listeners and give them a brief overview of what polarity, what you mean by that, and then how you found that with, with Jordan? Yeah, like poles, opposites in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it's difficult if I am embodying the same thing that Jordan is attempting to embody, then we repel each other. Mm -hmm. And so um, I oftentimes will describe like our differences. If we look at them in a, as a way that this person is unique and fascinates me and turns me on because they're so different than me. And, uh, 
and kind of shelf essentially the projection and trying to make that other person more like me so that I understand them more. That's the mm-hmm. opposite of polarity. And so for, for me, um, whether it's my human design, my astrology, my whatever, everything in my stars says I'm a leader. I'm a mm-hmm. boss. I have a particular kind of energy to me. Um, and Jordan is a little bit different. He's a little bit more go with the flow. He's a supporter. Um, so you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunities. I think from the outside looking and people will resonate if I spoke about how I operate in the world. And for a lot of women who specifically who would resonate with how I say I operate in the world, they're probably challenged in their romantic relationship because there is a lack of polarity because both are operating with uh, masculine energy and overdrive, mm-hmm. which is not super uncommon. So yes, you could have the makeup uh, as me and be the leader and all that, but society really positions us in that way mm-hmm. today. So, um, so yeah, but we, we interact in a way where we do our very best because we're not hundred percent successful at it by any means, but we do our very best to highlight each other's differences as a means to be turned on by the fact that the other person is different. Mm, and I hear the intentionality behind that. I think that's so key for this. Otherwise we can get stuck in this. You don't speak the same way I do. We're not going to work. We're not incompatible, but I don't necessarily believe that. I think it's more about learning the language of the other person. Similarly to sex, right? We have to learn the language of that other person's eroticism in order Absolutely. to be able to work. Yeah. Yep. And uh, the language of our eroticism is different too. Ooh, Ooh I'm excited about that. <laughs> so the... You, because sex is a priority, I can imagine that sex, because this is your career, sex is a, is a priority for you and probably a, one of your leading values in a relationship, um, given what you just shared. How, how would you say that mm, dating, you know, dating somebody with, with that in mind? So I'm saying that because you might have a few things to say about this. Um, social media has now turned into this hub for sex education and everybody and their mom wants to tell us how to date or, you know, how to, you know, that you should wait three months before sex or you need to do this, that, or the other, you know, all these um, antidotes for dating. But for those of us who are sex positive and who value sexuality, how do you, how would you say, and you can even speak for yourself um, of, how to lead with sexuality and dating or how to make sure that that's in the forefront, not get lost. This kind of wraps back into the question that you had before this. And and I'll just use Jordan and I as an example, because we are a great example for many things. Um, When we first met, he was doing like these challenges and stuff online that were about no fap and no nut November and, you know, these masturbation and no porn and all these different things. And just, he was figuring out his relationship to his own sexuality, masturbation, porn, that kind of thing. Um, and I remember seeing some of those things. I'm like, okay, well, he's, he's figuring, he's finding out his way to, in, in his relationship. Cause I think that he understood like these things are not inherently bad, but maybe my relationship to them and why I am doing them, um, maybe is lacking some intentionality. Mm. And so maybe stopping for a while to gain introspection is a good thing. Mm-hmm. But the idea that this thing is inherently bad and I'm never supposed to do it ever again, maybe not the case or at least I painted that picture when we, when we got together. So I saw he was doing all these challenges and different things like that. And when we first connected, he was like, yeah, you know what I'm thinking, I'm going to take it slow. And, um, I'm in a, like a period of like not wanting to have sex and, and that kind of thing. And then my response is why is, was why, and tell me more and what's behind it all. And, um, and, and within our first few conversations, it's, it's a miracle that we're still together. (laughs) (laughs) Not that that we're still together, that we wound up together because we said yes to each other to go the distance from the time that we said yes to dating each other. But it's just so different to how I would operate. And normally I'm put off by, I have to educate the person that I want to sleep with or that I want to date. It would be really cool if I didn't, and we could just meet each other if I met in this and we explore together. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I've had them both now and I married the the other one. So I married the letter. So when Jordan and I first got together, I, I responded to him. I said, that's great and all. 
And um, I'm more of the mindset of fuck first. Like I want to explore with you and see how you are, how you communicate, how you know yourself and your body. I'm more interested in that than I am interested in waiting X amount of time to determine if we're supposed to now, like we've been on three dates and now we're supposed to see each other naked or what. So when we, when we first got together, that was some of my questions that I posed to him. And when we first met in person, I, <clears throat> I told him, um, I don't know if you have any intention to potentially go in any direction sexually with me, because just because we speak about it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to do it. It means that there's space, just like your family history and the fact that you have a brother and you have adopted twin siblings and the fact that your family is in Ohio and California. I also want to know what you're into when it comes to sex. And it doesn't mean that because I'm interested in that and I'm asking that question, that it, that it is an invitation for you to come for me in a sexual capacity. I'm curious about lots of things about you. Mm. And so make that one of the things that's on the list is like, okay, well, how do you move and how do you operate and how do you make decisions based on sex? But when he was coming to visit me, I said, I don't know if you have any intention, but if you have intention to get sexual at all with me, when's the last time you were tested? And if it was, you know, if you've had one to two partners post that, go ahead and get tested again Mm -hmm. for everything and bring that with you very simply. That's what it is. And I had been tested X amount of time. And so I had all my information at the time and he had never interacted with anyone that was that straightforward, which just blows my mind a little bit. Cause I'm like, no, I'm in this space, but like this was maybe 2019, 2018, I think. So like, it's definitely changed. It's definitely even more prevalent now. It's like the sex positivity and what's your status and all of that. So, and, um, and we spoke about this or I spoke about this recently on one of my podcasts because I had, um, the like head medical director for Nurex, which is like mm-hmm. at home testing. Yeah. And I, I did an interview with her and I wound up sharing and Jordan's shared it publicly as well that I asked him to get tested and he wound up positive for chlamydia. And oh, so wow. I had the antibiotics for it in my bathroom, but he, of course he, did. <laughs> he had to put himself through a cool 24 to 48 hours of deep shame oh. before he could tell me. So, you know, the, how we got together and just this like mixed match of information and and he'd never been with someone that was so, like I said, straightforward before, but then also he's like, and I have chlamydia. I'm like, cool. I'm going to go get the antibiotics. I know your biohacker bro doesn't want to take these antibiotics, but this is how you get rid of chlamydia. I love that you had that just at your house. I, I, that's so great. I have everything from BV to UTI and like girlfriends have it. I'm like, here, here you go. Yeah. Well, some of that, some of those antibiotics are the same. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's one or two doses, um, of however many milligrams of azithromycin and you can look it up online or ciproflaxin or whatever it is. And it's like, okay, we're not doctors, right? I'm not an OBGYN or anything like that, but I can look up online and I go, Oh, I have extra pills from this other thing and they're not expired. Let's go ahead and get rid of the chlamydia. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's that that's Jordan and I, this playful, beautiful, innocent, but growing. And so mm-hmm. this person, friend for me, I, I'm in, I, I love exploring. And so I mm-hmm. love BDSM and I love kink and I love just, um, I love transmuting like oh. shit that's happened in my past. I love going there intentionally and playing with that energy and turning it into love and turn on and all that. And that was a total foreign concept to Jordan. So um, well, I, I help Alexa. Yeah. I think that'd be a foreign concept to most people. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about transmutation okay. there. Cause I think there's something there that we can tie to. I was going to ask how you held that space for his sexual shame, especially given somebody who was already a, an educator and a leader in the, in the world around sexuality, like somebody coming with their sexual shame. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he came, he came with, sexual shame for having as many partners as he's had sexual shame for not knowing what his status was and for intentionally more or less trying to ignore it and ignore maybe even where his status was at the time. And that's a lot of people. Cause it's like, I don't want to get tested because I'm afraid of what it's like a blissful ignorance, so to speak, which doesn't help anybody. But these people who are feeling trapped in that space are doing the best that they can, you know, like that's, that's how they know how to cope and survive. And so um, for me, holding the space for him was very nonchalant and matter of fact, and I'm a big believer of like, let's treat STIs as sincerely as they actually are and as serious as they actually are, which it's harder to get rid of the common cold than it is to get rid of chlamydia or gonorrhea Mm -hmm. or even syphilis, depending on when you catch it. So it's like, uh, why not be as, oh, you have a thing. 
I could also get that thing. Let's just take care of that. And I, mm-hmm. and, and for me, it was, let's not harp on this too long, too long. This is mm-hmm. what it is. And I want to be here present. So ask me questions. If you have questions, I may or may not have answers. Um, but yeah, that that was really it. And so I remember we were like cuddling on the couch and I like had my hands on his face and, and like, I'm it's, it's, it's a big deal because I know that you're feeling something sensation is happening in your body right now. And I want you to feel how calm my nervous system is. Mm. And so um, he was able to really relax. And I think throughout, he knew before we even met in person that he was, he was like, I'm going to try to wife her, but <laughs> you know, he, and he, he even said it, he said it in his vows. He, you know, he like knew as soon as he saw me online, he was like, there she is. Yeah. And, which is wild. Cause me at first, I'm like, okay, you're pretty, but you need to be more than just hot. Yeah. You know, like you need it. You need to have some substance, you yes. know, He's, mm-hmm. he proves to me every day that there's way more to this hot frat guy than just his abs and his jolly lighthearted self, you know? So I love the this. Next, online dating success story. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, but I mean, as, as our relationship has progressed, you know, I was very upfront with, you know, your moves that you have in sex, I can tell what they are. They're going to be great for X amount of time as we get our relationship started. And then something else needs to happen. And I'm going to be super upfront, like more needs to happen here. I want more from you. I want, I want more access to more of myself with you to feel safe with you and present with you and exploratory and all that. And it took us probably about a year mm-hmm. before he really started to understand these hard to, hard to grasp kind of, kind of how to logic your way through concepts. Mm-hmm. It was hard for him. Yeah. Hard. It, uh, uh, you know, deep, fast questioning of all that he knows as far as who he is as a man, like questioning masculinity and how he shows up in sex. If I can't show up in sex and like, what kind of a man am I? Mm -hmm. That's, that's a challenge that I get in the dating world as well. When I'll start dating men. And at first it's really exciting. They're like, Oh my God, you're a sex therapist. And then they're like, Oh my God, you're a sex therapist. And all of their sexual shame comes up and and around mm-hmm. that very similarly. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. some people know how to integrate that. And some people, they just feel the thing and then they just are like, eh, shut down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I find myself wanting to ask you questions about your dating and all that, but you know what? In a couple of days, you're going to be on my show. So I can save those questions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I'm all about that. I love um, talking about dating. I love talking about sex and dating and love and Obviously that's the name of my company. <laughs> um, so then over the progression of your, of your guys's relationship and, and, um, moving through that, you see, you were saying transmutation oh, yeah. and, and I think that has a lot to do with turning that shame or turning that past, mm-hmm. um, distressing events or traumas into pleasure. Like you're saying, how do you practice that? Or how was that, um, how is that present in your life? Yeah. It's whether it's shame or some other aspects of, of, uh, trauma, let's say like, that's a big word and and it can mean varying degrees of severity. I I would say, but like trauma is experienced in the body. Lots of humans or all humans are experiencing it to some degree in some way, shape or form and have, and will, like, it's just a a thing. It's not like a, you have this stamp of the T word on you. You it's, It's like humans. This is how we interact and uh, experience life. So I'll give you an example. Um, one of the concepts that was a little bit challenging for Jordan to wrap his head around was DDLG, daddy, Dom, little girl. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, that's very challenging. As soon as they first hear it, they go, daddy, Dom, little girl, you're enacting pedophilia. Mm-hmm. And it's an adult man and, a, a, an adult woman who is pretending to be a little girl and that's wrong and that's bad and that's dirty. Now, let me tell you how that has come up in my own life. So my biological father exited the scene. So left when I was three, um, I didn't grow up with a father figure in my life. So the, the parental fatherly nurturing love, all of that, I didn't get what a lot of people who have a present father figure in their life. Like, so it's very foreign to be cared for especially in a very sweet fathery kind of way, that's foreign to me. And my little girl, so the younger version of me learned that when I was hurting because I didn't have that, I learned I don't need it anyway. I learned I don't need you. I don't need this. I don't want that. 
I've got myself. I don't need any of you. And that's something that still as adult me is, is very entertained by. <laughs> well, we would be best friends. <laughs> I can see us holding yeah. hands and we're just like, <laughs> fuck you and fuck you and fuck you. And I don't need you. I got a vibrator for that. Like, you know, it's no big deal. And, and I can take care of myself. So, you know, um, how that has played out and to use maybe transmutation and use that, that kind of experience. Um, so at one stage and, and Jordan, and I go into this too, but I'll talk about like the first time. Well, kidding. I'm going to go straight to, could you know Kenneth play? No, but go on. Yeah. So you definitely have to have Kenneth on your show. He's amazing. Um, he's the one that, and he's a sex educator in New York, co-founder of Hacienda. Um, amazing. And he has a sex hacker pro co- course, which is like sex education and porn at the same time. And it's really awesome. So you have to check that out. But I had a conversation with Kenneth. He's a, um, a friend of ours. And, and he was like, you, you need to tell Jordan that these things are in you. This, um, this interest in being the little girl, basically like being able to embody your, not, not a little girl, but to let your little girl come out Mm -hmm. and to be cared for. Mm -hmm. And the thing is that it's not necessarily in a sexual way, but it's with my sexual partner. They are the person, right? So I had an attachment figure growing up. It's a parent. And now I have a romantic partner. My new attachment figure is here. This is where I go. And I turn to my growth and to be held and all those things. And so Mm-hmm. communicating that, that all of this to Jordan was like a shock to his system at first. It was like, I don't actually know what to do. And he was challenged by a lot of me sharing how I am and who I am. He was challenged with, I don't think I can provide this for you. And I'm a failure and you are, the, I, I can't show up enough. So it's that par- that um, paradox of you're too much and I'm not enough. Yep. Going back and forth, back and forth. And so, um, yeah, it took the better part of a year for him to start like really being able to lean in to what that could mean. So then to go back to directly onto transmutation would be if I am encouraged and it's safe enough for me to embody, let's say my inner little girl that didn't get a father figure and for him to step up and instead of being his playful, silly jokester self to actually embody a strong, steady space holder to give me deep presence and, um, and maybe infuse some of his boyish charm and his humor because that's impossible to fully abandon, but he'll have times where he'll run a bath and he'll tell me as though, like, he's telling my little girl, go get in the bathtub. I'm going to read to you. And so he'll, you know, run the bath and he'll put the salt and he'll put the things and he'll put me in there and he'll sit on the toilet and he'll read to me. Oh. And so and it's very sweet and it's very angelic. And it's in those moments that I'm able to give my little girl something she didn't get to have, mm. you know? And then let's say it's time for me to get out. He undoes the water. He gives me the towel, maybe even dries me off, maybe brushes my hair. So all things that you would do for a little girl, mm-hmm. only I am a 33-year-old woman and now his wife. So it's how can my romantic partner parent me in the ways that I didn't get parented, but still be able to keep the polarity where you still want to have sex with each other. Meaning why there's enough attraction that you still want to meet in the bedroom and then actually have sex after that thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So is this only in that dynamic or is it, or does this turn sexual in the bedroom as well? I I would say, I I don't know what it's like for other people, but let's just use DDLG, daddy down little girl as the Mm -hmm. example. I'm not going to bring my little girl into sex. Mm -hmm. I'm bringing woman. I'm bringing a like, like this adult woman. Um, but the sentiment the and I'm not like in my head going, I'm a little girl and I'm Alexa, you know, it's, it's, it's the energy. Sure. Sure. Um, so it, it's a little bit different. And, and I also know that there are some people that have relationships like that, that they, like, they, when they want to embody their little kid, they fully go there. They're coloring, they're dressed in little kid clothes. They're, you know, let your podcast take a turn here. If we start yeah, to unfolding no, that dynamic, because there's, there's just so it's a spectrum, you know what it I mean? Sure is, and like, yeah. this is where my comfort level is. And this is where I feel healing. Mm-hmm. And so with that, with that, let's say I feel so safe and so taken care of and so vulnerable because I am this like bold, 
leader in my day-to-day life. But then I've got my partner that's like brushing my hair for me and is telling me I'm, I, you know, I did, I had such a good day. I'm doing so great in life. Yeah. It's like giving me affirmation. And then I'm like, yeah. imagine the level of safety that I experience in my body that I'm then going to shift and take into the bedroom after. Yeah. Oof. So it's, you know, the sex is probably the similar, if not the same a lot of times it's just how we got to having sex changes. Mm. Sometimes it's spankings. Sometimes it's, you know, I got a bath run for me. Sometimes it's some discipline, you know, and, and posturing and different things like that. Sometimes there's this long, like energetic play for in different locations, but like the sex itself is the same, but how we got there the really, makes, yeah. really makes such yeah. a difference in, and to like how much pleasure I can have, how many orgasms I can have, how big and powerful the orgasms are, how into it I am, both yeah. of us are. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And that's really important. I think so many people just assume people fall into the sex has to be spontaneous or sex just happens or initiation is like a look, a touch and, you know, or shit or a bath together and that's it. But there's a whole array of ways that we transition from one one's mindset into another. And I think that, uh, I mean, I guess, the concept of foreplay, like mental and emotional and physical foreplay there (laughs) of preparing or moving into that space. Yeah. Uh, I love that. I also think speaking to the transmutation piece of it, yeah, things that are kinky or things that are, um, you know, might in the real world be inappropriate. (laughs) There's such a, the energetic of arousal or or in the body heightens the energy in our body and also uh, increases the threshold for emotions like disgust or fear or um, that that we can be with some of these past traumas or these past distressing events a lot more easily. And so I can see even see the healing element there and the erotic element of it. Yeah. I mean, for a lot of people, something that happened in their life you know, let, bringing back the, the trauma word too much, too fast, too soon. And it was not in their control. Yeah. Well, when it comes to sex and kink, I mean, sexual energy, it, it moves the nervous system very quickly. And so if you consciously, intentionally, graciously approach going into maybe something that is similar to what happened to, to you and you, you choose to approach it with that space and attention and all of that, um, then there's a possibility that you do have agency over the whole situation and you can, in a sense, reclaim or transmute. So let's say like you were a kid and you got shamed for whatever the thing was. And then you all of a sudden have this kink that you're turned on by someone actually saying those things to you. Mm-hmm. But you have choice in that. And for some people it can come off as like, this feels kind of dark. Mm-hmm. And for some people it's like, oh, you are healing you are choosing this here. You didn't choose it then, but you're choosing it here. Or like maybe you got spanked as a kid, you know? Yeah, like here you're in power. Yeah. yeah, you got spanked as a kid and it was awful. And then now you're an adult and that's the thing. Like for some reason, one little whack on the ass and <laughs> that's all it takes, you know? <laughs> yes, I love that. And so he was not into... BDSM or non-traditional relationships when you met him? No. Right. So at what point did you share that information? Right away. Right away. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I, I feel very much um, camp. If I can scare you, you're not my person. Yeah. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) If I can scare you, I'm not my, and that doesn't mean I don't have discernment and it doesn't mean that I don't have tact, but I'm not waiting, you know, on the second date to divulge X, Y, Z information. It's like, as soon as it feels ready for, you know, the progression of the conversation, then say it. So, you know, I told him I'm, I'm questioning my thoughts and feels about monogamy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's the type of relationship that I want to have. I'm also not sure exactly, but I do know these things and laid those things out for him. Mm. Um, and, you know, I said that there are things that I know about myself and there are things that I know about my sexuality that I can't unknow. And I have an agreement with myself that I won't abandon. I won't like... I know where this goes if I turn my back on these aspects of who I am. 
and it isn't good for any person and, you know, any party involved. So um, most importantly, me. And so just being able to share those things outright and he didn't need to understand them right away. He just needed to go, okay, I'm with you. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially at that moment, if somebody's never, you know, speaking to what we were saying earlier, never been given these models, never been mm-hmm. around anybody to demonstrate different types of relationships. That's a lot of information to, to, to take in first of yeah. all, and then to be able to give a yet a definite yes or no. I don't know that that would necessarily like how be authentic versus being in the inquiry and being mm-hmm. able to say, um, I'm open to this. I'm willing to learn more about this and lean in. Yeah. And that was challenging for him at first because he, he liked the way he was doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, he, it, and I, and I said that I'm like, you, you have your moves and you have your set of like how you operate in sex. And that's great. It's gotten you this far. It's gotten you laid many a times, but if you want to go the distance with me, then you're having, instead of having repetitive partners and being able to wow and surprise and delight because you're only having, you know, X amount of sex with that person before you're moving on to the next person, you know, the the next partner, this is going to require something different from you, Mm. you know? And so that's your own personal journey. And I can't, I can't, because I desire something in my own life. I can't make you go the next step on your own journey. You've got to want to do that for yourself. (sighs) And so that is very challenging for a lot of people. Like, uh, you know, I I work with lots of different types of people and I'll just use a heteronormative, you know, similar kind of example. But a lot of times the women will say, I want more and he's not down and I can't, he's not budging. And that's very challenging. And I hear that a lot. I mean, I hear it in the other, the other way around too. I probably hear it more because that is, that looks most like my relationship. Um, and so, yeah, it, that, that is certainly challenging. So there were times where Jordan, you know, he would say, okay, well, so you want, uh, this toy. Okay. You want a spanking. So that means I learn how to spank, right? Like that means I just, learn how to use this toy or wield this thing. And then I just deliver it. So it's this idea that he's thinking that you, my turn on is associated with the actual object and the, or the actual um, motion or thing versus what I really desire is what is required between you and I, in order for that thing to be really hot, which is harder to logic. It's harder for, you know, for, for me, it was harder for me to communicate that to him. And that took years. And then, and then I go, just because you now understand how to do this thing, doesn't mean that I want it from a person that's only delivering it because they think it's what I want versus you also are, you found your way to be turned on by this thing too. Wow. And how, I mean, obviously that's years, but how did you see some of the contributing factors to that? We went up to a lot of workshops, Mm. a lot of workshops he listened to me teach a lot, you know, cause it was also very challenging for me to know and to be able to communicate it and to help other people with it, but it to also still be a challenge for me inside of my own relationship. So I dealt with my own ups and downs with how that felt. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always knew he was still with me. Mm-hmm. And then he's had, he had a few like breakthrough moments. He, he, even though he was frustrated with the fact that I was asking him to basically learn a different language mm-hmm. and And he was so busy with all these other things in life. Now I'm also asking him to learn how to do all these other things. It was, it was challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, He still would listen to the podcasts, listen to the audio books, read the books. Like I would get into bed and he'd be reading diary of a submissive. He was, he listened to, I am a dominant on audible. I remember when he was listening to that, he really liked that one. So it was just a matter of like helping him guide, you know, guiding him to like, oh, this is a really fun thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't need you to be just like me. I just want for you to have access to more of you. And then, and then lay that out on the table and like, look, it's our playground. Mm. You know, how did you do that without coming across as the teacher or coming across as I'm changing you or uh, because presenting these things, these are your erotic maps with more of the BDSM. So how did you get that to be his or? um... I didn't. 
I couldn't, like I said, I, I couldn't do that for him. He had to find it himself. And it didn't matter how much I got frustrated because if I criticized and I got frustrated and I was ungrateful for what was actually being provided to me in any given moment, you know, whether it's the sex that I'm claiming I'm bored of or whatever, you know, that that's not a place to, that's not creating a safe enough place for my partner to be able to step into like, what is his next iteration or evolution or to try this next thing? Because you know, he would show up with, okay, he finally got the nerve to bring the, this, the, this, and the, you know, like the, this toy and the whatever into the bedroom. And then there I am going, you're not doing it right. So then, oh, that shuts down. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well then he's not, he's significantly less likely to bring anything then. So I have to take responsibility for myself and how I'm acting in those instances and to create an environment that's exciting for him to show up to. Mm, I hear so much compassion in the way that you speak about, about your relationship and about him. And I think that is such a transmuting mm -hmm. <laughs> emotion that we can have. You know, we all want to be seen and understood and sex, especially is so vulnerable. Yeah. And this is very vulnerable for him to, to say, okay, I don't know this thing and I'm going to learn it or I'm mm -hmm. going to expand. How many times we shut ourselves down if we don't know the thing already, or if we yeah. think that if we don't have it mastered already. <laughs> Real. No challenging. He also, we, we have really amazing friends, like really mm. legit fucking amazing friends. Mm. And to have conversations with our friends that are about some of these concepts too, and that they're exploring and they're in inquiry and all of that. It's like getting friends that are, that we also feel met in our friendships, not that we're always in, you know, a teacher role granted throughout our friendships, we all have our strengths. So we're all in a teacher role at different times. And I'm definitely the token sex person. Um, hence that sex chick, that's how it <laughs> got to be. But, uh, yeah, starting to communicate with other people that were, you know, whether they were a few steps ahead or at the same level. And just because I have all this information and I've read all these books and I've done all these things in previous relationships, doesn't mean that I'm acting in, like I'm operating in my own unit, in my own relationship with all of that information, like utilizing all that information. Mm -hmm. There's a totally, these are totally different things, which, like I said, it took years. So I can talk, I can talk about it now this way because I can in hindsight communicate it this way. But while we were going through it, it was crunchy as fuck. <laughs> yeah. And I love the behind the scenes of being an edu sex educator that I think or is important for people to understand because they see us as, you know, this image and having all of this together. But we're also experiencing human things too. We're also uh, forgetting some of the things that we teach or we're trying and applying and, and it's its own process. <laughs> yeah. I sit there and I'm like, fuck, I need to do this thing with you. Don't I, this exercise, but I don't want to, yeah. my, you know, my inner little girl, this is like my inner teenager has her hands on her hips and is like, I'm not budging. Mm -hmm. Like, damn, what would I say if I were in front of me on a Zoom screen in a session right now? I would say do this. Mm -hmm. This is my own internal battle. It's like, okay, well, you know the answers. But also we hired people. Yeah. Like I said, like many workshops and coaches and Jordan and I have a relationship coach that we see at least once a month now. Mm. And we have for almost the whole, well, almost the whole time we've been the last couple of years, we've always sought mentors, whether it's a Tantra mentor or a DS Dom sub mentor or, um, you know, for love and relationship. And like right now we're, we're seeing someone to help us. Well, we saw her leading up to marriage because we knew stuff was going to come up. Both of us mm -hmm. had moms that were married five times individually. So like we got some holdups when it comes to marriage. Mm -hmm. And we also come from a community that oftentimes will spout things like, oh, I don't need legal and the government and whatever and papers to say I'm in it and I'm committed and whatever. And it, yeah, so we just had shit. We had shit come up. And so we hired someone to hold us in it so that we weren't relying on the other person to continuously hold this is hard to pass the potato back and forth. Like every now and then, like it's, it's kind of cool if we just are both kind of in it and we're, and we're both held yeah. responsibly. So, you know, we hired people and I recommend that for people all the time. If you're in some kind of partnership and you're just like, don't know what's the next step, then don't put all that pressure on you. Hire somebody yeah, to hold yeah. you. Don't try to be the master of everything. Yeah. So you, in one of your episodes there, it was about how you were talking about introducing a third into your relationship, or you were, you were talking about, um, stepping into opening the relationship. 
with, with Jordan. And how did you approach bringing in a third? How did you all have that conversation? How did you approach somebody? What did that process look like? Yeah. So this is an ongoing conversation from the beginning of our relationship, because just like all these other concepts, the idea of bringing in other people was very foreign. Um, and he had preconceived notions about those things too. So the things that he thought about BDSM and kink, it was like, okay, dark dungeon, these demented people, whatever. On some level he had that understanding. And so what does it mean about him if he decides to act some of those things out or do some of those things? you know, that was a reconciliation. And it was for me too. You know, the first few times, granted, I had some really incredible orgasmic experiences where afterwards I went, what the fuck? Like that was the most incredible. Like, I don't even care if this is some dark twisted shit. I am a dark twisted person then because that was hot. Um, and no one can tell me any different, like amazing. So he didn't have those kinds of things. I, it was just concepts. And, um, so he also had certain understanding of like, what does it mean to have an open relationship? Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's a multi-year process of figuring out, um, of just figuring out many conversations, many trials and errors. And for us, we we're moving slow. We're, we're, we have forever married now. Like we, we have lots of intention. We've got plenty of time just because I'm questioning monogamy and um, and we consider our relationship monogamish where by all accounts, like we are each other, we're the family unit and we, we are open to playing with others, but we have a lot of conversation to have in order to get to actually playing with others. Because again, sexual energy moves a nurse nervous system really fast. And there's just, sometimes things can move so quickly, like in, in a system, not like, oh, wow, all of a sudden we're all having sex. It's just in a system. Um, and I'm talking about a nervous system where, uh, you know, it, it's this thing that was seemingly small, but now we're repairing it and mm -hmm. trying to figure out and heal from it for many months after. And so we're weighing, we're weighing the gravity of that. Like we, we have certain things that we want to achieve and do in life. And so do we have the space to actually process for that long? And that, that, that's all stuff we factor in to saying, yes, we'd like to maybe play with somebody. So, you know, for us, really what it's looked like up to this point is we've had um, a handful of sexual encounters with other women. There's been lots of flirting and playing and teasing and like going out and that kind of thing where, you know, I'm maybe in one part of the, the bar room party or something. And, you know, and it's, it's fun where the other, you know, there's another woman who has asked my permission, asked him, you know, can we go and play and do, and I love being a voyeur. And so he's off flirting, being his social butterfly self. And I'm like, you know, in the corner brooding alone, kidding. <laughs> I, I'm not, but enjoying it. yeah. Yeah. And I'm enjoying it. And, and I revel in that. I'm like, oh, he's hot. People want his attention. And I'm also hot. People want my attention. Like they, we just have this dynamic of like, we love the fact that people are into us. And yeah. so I never want him to, feel like he never gets that feeling again. And I don't want him to eroticize, like get in a dark way or keep things from me per se. I know he won't bring everything to me, but, um, so, you know, it's looked like us playing to some degree, makeout sessions. We've had, you know, people in the room while we've had sex. So like there's mm -hmm. different degrees of having an open relationship, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And for us, it's people play with us. Then they have a lot of respect for the unit that we are. Mm -hmm. And we do our due diligence before we interact and we engage. And so, you know, it's, it took quite some time. We went to Burning Man, we've mm -hmm. done like play parties, sex in big groups of people, that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, it, it's been a hard ish subject to, to really get to the root because we want to be at a certain place before we actually start bringing in like body parts and other people and their emotions yeah. and their traumas and all that too. So, you know, Ugh. we, we take it slow. So we're, we're on field. We took a break from being on field, which is the app that is usually people are finding thirds and unicorns and swapping and swinging or lifestyle and all that. So, you know, we're on field and we realize like this is a minimum viable product here. Mm -hmm. We don't have to meet anybody if we don't want to meet them, but we can put our pictures out. We can state our intentions. We can be really super upfront with who we are and what we're about. 
and we can see what happens. And so, you know, recently, I think the the episode that you're talking about, Jordan and I spoke about how we met someone because we also, we went on a pre-date mm-hmm. before we actually met this person. And we went and we were like, okay, lay it all on the table. And we've had these conversations a million times. <laughs> we will have them a million plus more. Like it's just a perpetual thing. And, um, and so I was just like, where worst case scenario, best case scenario, what are we open to? Because it changes. We might do like a won't, won't, won't list or say what we're cool with last month, but today mm-hmm. I'm not cool with it. I'm like in my luteal phase. I'm very like, it's not, I'm not open, you know, like the week to week things change, yeah, especially definitely. for me. Yeah. So, um, we take it slow. Uh, we will, I have this this vision for us that we will get to a place. Yeah. That we will get to a place where people are freely making invitations Mm. to us and are interested and curious about us and want to get to know us individually and collectively. And I do my very best not to have this, to put this pressure on how they act, whoever the third is, or people who want to play with us. I, I, I witnessed myself doing this where I'm like, well, but the the person didn't contact me first and like putting all these weird arbitrary rules Mm -hmm. around navigating it where I'm like, why I'm just, oh, they didn't, they didn't talk to me first. They talked to Jordan first, red flag. Yeah. Fuck Alexa. You're just going to red flag everything. Stop it. (laughs) Yeah. Coming from a place of wanting to protect ourselves, of course. Yeah. yeah. And what I, one thing that I love that, uh, that I want to emphasize is that you say you are expressing you didn't have all of this figured out before you started. And I think that's important because some people are like, oh, you just like go and do it and don't, you know, there's that one end of the spectrum. You just dive in and, and just do it and figure it out and shit hits the fan. And, all. and then there's the other end where you have to have everything ready and everything prepared and you have to be at a specific evolved version of yourself in the relationship before you can get into that. So I love that you're giving ease and grace in there of, take your time, go slow. Um, shit will hit the fan and you'll mm-hmm. be okay. <laughs> we'll work through oh, it. Yeah. Together. yeah. Yeah. And like around our wedding was not the time for us to have shit hit the fan. Yeah. Yeah. So like for the last, I'd say four or five months or so, maybe more like four months. Mm-hmm. And like, we're in a little bubble right now. We are each other's like we're in a, a very sensitive, vulnerable, fresh, new, we just went through this big initiation. Mm-hmm. Like we're in a little bit of a bubble and like right now the conversations are, you know, uh, the conversations are like our, our relationship is going to continue ebbing and flowing. Mm-hmm. And if we're in a period of time where we're in a bubble and it's just you and I, it's not a no forever. Mm-hmm. It's uh, this is what we're, we're honoring what is present right now. And I, I have shared with Jordan, as long as you don't take it as whatever my response is, is my response in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. As long as you know that you can always, and I get to create a, a safe enough place for you to ask again, mm-hmm. that's my responsibility. And your responsibility is to have tact mm-hmm. and to yeah. be discerning and to check what am I actually interested in achieving here? before you bring the thing to me. So like there's, there's work on both sides, but in fact, I think the the best thing in partnership and deciding your person is like, can you do this dance with mm-hmm. that person over and over and over again? Cause like the easy time, like the, the joy and the pleasure and the, all of that, that's like more or less the easy stuff, mm-hmm. the processing and figuring the shit out. That's the main reason why we're, we are in the relationship and that we decided to get married and all that is because uh, I want to fight with you for the rest of my life. Cause like you're, you're great at it and you're my person. Like we get each other. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm wet just by hearing. (laughs) Oh my Lord. Yeah. The flexibility. And then also just leading with authenticity versus allowing the definition of your relationship or the identity of the relationship lead how the two of you progress. This, this whole episode is, is really rich. There's so much in here that if I wasn't talking to you, I'd be writing. So, (laughs) so I know that all the notebooks are going to be out. Um, how can people find out more about you and your work? I mean, this podcast was a great deep dive into my relationship, which I was not expecting, but I, you know, like I said, our relationship is definitely, um, a model of sorts. I would say yeah, unconventional, would say so. right? We're playing and we're exploring and um, 
and we're living life that's not in either box, you know, the box that I was shown or the box that Jordan was shown. And so we like to be real ass people on the internet, sharing our stuff publicly. So you can find me at that sex chick on Instagram. You can find Jordan at conscious bro. We work together now. So he was a men's coach and he was a biohacker, worked for Bulletproof, all that. And then when we moved to Austin, um, about three years ago, we decided to join forces. And so he does a lot of men's work in the company, which it's funny because this was my company and my brand and my business that he now works for. So there's a lot of dynamics at play in our relationship. And we talk about them all. The mm-hmm. fact that I'm his boss, oh, but sexy. I also want to submit to him. So like, how do we navigate a day of boss and surrender and submission and pleasure and grace? And so, mm. you know, like I said, real ass people on the internet. So Love find us it. there. Instagram is the best place. Yeah, yes. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on. Of course. Thank you for having me, Kat. Lovers, thank you again for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, hit subscribe and head over to eatplaysex.com to connect with me and grab my sexy guides. Because my goal here is to get you to eat play and sex better so you can improve your sex life which will improve every aspect of your life until next time keep it sexy